0: Hi everybody, I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast.
1: Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Oh
0: yeah, and is there anything more real than sports and comedy? (laughs)
1: And together,
0: it's almost perfect. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, we're talking about Ted Lasso. um, Season one of Ted Lasso, specifically, um, which is a TV series that was on Apple TV, or is on Apple TV. Mm -hmm. Ten episodes long. A lot of language in this, uh, you know, for a warning.
1: (laughs) And sex. Yeah. I mean, they're not showing sex, but they're sure talking about it. And alluding to it.
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: It's very modern.
0: It is. (laughs) Very modern, for sure.
1: But it's also sweet and hopeful and inspiring and touching. Yes. So they managed to pull all that off with this comedy, which most people surely have heard of it, um, about a soccer team that hires a college football coach from America to come coach the team.
0: Yeah, the soccer and, team's and, in England,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. To me, that's <laughs> soccer teams are. yeah I I have the typical American approach to soccer, <laughs> which I know they call football, but they're incorrect. Um, so, mm. I'm your average American. You know more about it. Yes. Right? Which yeah. is your favorite team, Scott? Liverpool. Okay. I have yeah. a brother-in-law who's passionately attached to Arsenal.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: I can always like, spot him.
0: It's like the best name for a sports team ever invented.
1: <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> well, he um yeah, and he lives fairly nearby. So if I ever spot him in traffic, it's because of his bumper sticker, which says our small <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're going through a tough time. Liverpool's uh in a really great time. You know. Uh. They they're Kind of Good like the Cowboys when when I started to follow them, they're kind of like the Cowboys in that they used to be the very best team ever on the planet, and then they went yeah. through a long dry spell, and <laughs> then recently they are like the one of the best teams in the world. They're one of Back the on two top. or three. Yeah, them and Man City uh, right now. Yeah,
1: from Scott's lips to your ear, God, <laughs> make the Cowboys so.
0: There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, too fun. Now,
1: funnily enough, that probably is as much as we'll need to talk about sports because this mm-hmm. show isn't really about the sports.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's about the people on the team and the coach and the owner.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, the, the, the Ted Lasso is the name of the coach that is hired and moves over to England to take over this team. Um, while people are laughing at him, you know, pretty much. Oh yeah. Because he, he had just won a championship with a um tier like two Wichita College or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, tier two uh football team. And then this person, um, her name is Rebecca. She is uh recently the owner became recently became the owner of this team called Richmond. And um she basically got it through a divorce. It was like I get the team, and uh, it is her ex-husband's favorite team in the world, but she now owns it, and uh, she hired this guy to coach. Um, and I guess it's fair to say, because this is in the first episode, mm-hmm. very early on, yeah, that um, the reason that she hired Ted Lasso is because she wants the team to fail to uh, kind of twist the knife Uh, on her husband, on her ex-husband, because um, it is one of the things that he cares about most in the world. And And um, he
1: had hurt her so badly, mm -hmm. as you find out very early. I mean, he's just... Oh, my gosh. Anthony Head plays his husband, and when he shows up later, he is doing a star turn as the worst person (laughs) in the world. Oh, man. So sophisticated and suave and just knows the right thing to say to stick the dagger in. I mean, yeah. so you understand uh, why she wants to get back at him. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of... That's basically the setup, but Ted doesn't know this.
2: Right. No one knows this
1: except her assistant,
2: Higgins.
0: Right. She reveals that to her assistant in that episode, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and that is revealed pretty early on. And so that's the whole dynamic, of course, is then you, of course, want Ted to do well. Hmm. And um, despite, as you could predict, despite what gets thrown in his way, he unwittingly keeps you know, overcoming these obstacles because Ted Lasso is just a genuinely decent, compassionate, nice person. And as he says fairly early on, and I don't think this is necessarily a spoiler, but you know, let's face it. If you want to know about the show, just watch it. You will enjoy it thoroughly. They're all yes. half hour mm-hmm. episodes. Um, watch one a night or mm-hmm. however many more. Um, you're just going to enjoy the heck out of it. And, um, Fairly early on, Ted says, I don't care about winning and losing. I care about the young men on the team and helping them achieve their full potential. And of course, the idea would be, he's not saying it for this reason, because he is a decent, nice person. This is what any coach should want while still wanting to win, Um, is that if you're a sports guy and you're playing to your full potential and you're a fully human human being in the best way you're at the top of your game mm. if you've got the ability to do it you will do it and the <clears> team will come together and play as a team who wants the best for each other because that's part of what being a fully realized human being is mm.
0: yeah
1: yeah um and so it should all fall into place if that works
0: right absolutely yeah he doesn't and, go
1: into that but you right
0: know. <laughs> yeah he doesn't but you're yeah and uh, ted lasso is just a, a special guy <laughs> he's he's got this infectious optimism um that you know makes him a good coach mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um so even even his team is against him at the beginning um because they're oh, like yo you know we're we're laughing stocks here you know what is this this is like a circus You know, um, it's big news that they hired an American football coach to come coach this team. And, um, even the the press is involved there and, um, it's, it's super great how, uh, they did that. But then, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a non-sports story, like you said, um, how he wins them over, you know, um, throughout the course of the the season Mm -hmm. and, um, the, the techniques, the things that he does to try to <laughs> get people to uh, become a team and um, take leadership roles and, and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, one, one thing, or can, so we're in spoiler territory, right? Oh, yeah. Let's just jump right yeah. in. But one of the things that I absolutely loved that he did was uh, he put, um, he says, All right, you guys have gifts in your lockers. You know, after he got to <laughs> know them. Yes. And he put a book in everybody's locker. And um, Roy Kent, who is a big part of things. He is a, a person that's near the end of his career. He he He's playing for, a, you know, so Richmond is a smaller team, but he used to play for Chelsea, they said, and he won uh, Champions League with Chelsea. So he, he was on, like, one of the best teams in the world at one time. And now he's kind of at the end of his career here with Richmond. And... uh he's growly. <laughs> yes,
1: he, he's he's uh, grumpy.
0: Yeah. But I, I loved what he, you know, so Ted Lasso, uh, the first time he met him, he said, Hey, you know, th- uh, he had seen him at practice and he said, um, Hey, good job out there. The guys really kind of, they, they take to you. They, they listen to you Uh really great job and uh, your career has been amazing. And he just says, <laughs> Um, I never, this is Roy Kent. He says, I never thought it would end with me being coached by Ronald F. And McDonald. (laughs) 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 That was their first, you know, real conversation. And then he walked out and I loved in the interaction between, um, Ted Lasso and his assistant, who's Coach uh, coach beard. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, man, he's, he's unhappy. You know, that's, that's one angry guy. And then uh, one of them, I can't remember which one, said, "Yeah, just wait till he wait till we win him over." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the other guy says, "Yeah, he'll be really mad then." Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but he gave they gave him the book *Wrinkle in Time*. A *Wrinkle in Time*.
1: Yeah, and I love that's one of my favorite moments. Is he's been trying? There's a. There are a lot of interesting interactions that they put into the team. So one of them is that there's this guy called Nate, who's essentially what we would call him. He's not quite the water boy. They're a pretty small team, so they don't have a lot of assisting staff. But this guy, um, he, he's he got to be the water boy, but he's also like, you know, doing the equipment. Mm. I guess he's like the equipment manager. Yeah, he's really. he's the
0: kit man, right?
1: Right, the kit man. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. He, though, is being picked on mercilessly by the real star of the team, Jamie Tarts' cadre of followers. Mm, There are two or three guys who, to be funny, and because Jamie laughs at this and thinks it's hilarious because he is totally self-centered, a bully, and because he's so good, he can do all that stuff. And um, so Nate's constantly getting beat up, humiliated, and no one stops it. And Roy goes to, um, to Ted and says, y- you see what's happening, you've got to stop it. And Ted basically says, if I s- try, nothing's going to change. Hmm. Somebody else has to stop it.
2: Yes. You know, yeah. it has
1: to be somebody who they respect. <laughs> and he knows they want, he's like, oh, I'm not doing oh, uh, no, it. no way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when he gets the wrinkle in time thing, one of the genius things they did is write in a six-year-old niece for him. And so he winds up going, they at some point wind up going to her school. And that's when you meet the niece. And then you'll start seeing little things of him with the niece every so often. And so he's gotten this wrinkle in time book. And he's like, oh, you want me to read this? And what's this about? And someone wonderfully sums it up. And he's like, I'm not reading that thing. But he's reading it to his niece, sitting in her bed with her, which is like a fairy princess uh, bed with a canopy <laughs> and the whole thing. And he's and he's such a tough, big guy. It's so funny because he's so rough. And But he's sitting in the bed reading it. And it's the part that if anybody knows the book as well as I do, it's like Meg says, oh, no, I know why I do it. It has to be me. And he's like... Oh, effing hell. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because not only does he realize he's been manipulated by this book, because that's what Ted wants, he knows it's true. And he throws the book down and goes storming off to go beat up Jamie's cadre <laughs> so that they'll quit beating up on Nate. Oh, it's.: you know, so good. It's, yeah. it's just one of those blinding moments of genius because he's just smart enough And receptive enough, and I I don't mean just, he is absolutely smart and receptive to know, damn it, this is what I have to do because I do care about this. Yeah. They shouldn't beat this guy up. It was just genius. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. The way it's just revealed. Oh, I love it. With his really rough voice reading this book to this girl, you know, and his (laughs) low-class accent and
2: everything.
1: (laughs) It's just... You know, you really Uh, can't dissect humor because then it's not funny. And I know that wasn't funny, but it's so funny. (laughs) It is really good. Yeah?
0: Yeah. And this this show, um, it made me laugh and it also made me cry. The first time Mm -hmm. I watched this thing, it was like... I was like, wow, (laughs) they really, you know, you really did it. You know, it's, it's good both ways, you know, so it's kind of a comedy drama.
1: My favorite comparison for it is Parks and Recreation. Mm,
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I think in some ways does what it's doing a little bit better. And we can talk Mm -hmm. about that later, but, um, they make you care and -hmm. there are moments that touch you, Yeah. but they come in the middle of delivering the comedy and everything. Mm hmm. And, um, you know, and it's the thing of, and because what this shows is it's like with the toy soldiers, his, his boy, his family's back in Kansas, his wife and son, and he gets sent a bag of little toy soldiers from his son and he starts giving them to people and saying, this is to guard you. And of course, what it is, is a reminder that Ted likes you and believes in you. Hmm. And so what the people do with the soldiers is indicative of their mindset towards Ted. Hmm will Rebecca leave the soldier on her desk? Well, what does Jamie Tart do? He throws his away. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But that kind of thing and the books and the ways you see him kind of maneuvering with Jamie Tart and the others. And what it, it is, is he's disarming, but he's so insightful and he is so, um, Oh, what a what did uh, Trent Krimm say this? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I guess we could talk about every episode, and then it would take like four hours. Mm-hmm, but yeah. um, Trent Krimm is this determinedly trendy um, journalist from The Independent and very cynical. And he mm-hmm. spends a day going around with um, Ted. And at the end of the day, he writes this story that Rebecca had set this up hoping that he would just be exposed as a rube and a fake. Right, and this would make right. bring the team down and make her husband furious. And instead what happens is he writes this really positive, supportive piece, and he says, In a business that celebrates ego, Ted reigns his in. His coaching style is subtle. It never hits you over the head. Hmm. And so Ted is both, he is kind of what he seems to be. He He's a little bit of a bumpkin because he'll put himself out there and let himself be kind of vulnerable that way. Going, I don't know what you British get say, but we say this in Kansas. <laughs> but at the same time, underneath, he's paying attention all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really liked Trent Krim as a character. Um, <laughs> I love him. Because, yeah, one of the first things that he tells Ted, you know, during that interview day is... He says, "Hey, what you're doing is irresponsible. You know, this oh, club yeah. means something to this town." And Ted Lasso says, um, "You know, it. Like you said, the, the you know, for him, for me, the success is not about wins and losses. It's about you know, making these young fellows the best versions of themselves, which is like mm-hmm. what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Trent is just he's taken by that." Um, but man winning and losing is so important to these teams in in the Premier League. You know what I mean? Uh Yeah. And uh in the town, you know, we we see a lot of scenes in a pub. I can't remember what the name of the lady that's in charge of the pub um but She's there's wonderful. some really really great scenes in there, yeah. Um but uh yeah, winning and losing is like vital to the town. And um and the club well, yeah. too. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, because it's really, it's in London, but it's like a suburb in London, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Or just a little section of London.
0: Right. So these, yeah, yeah,
1: right. This is, these people care passionately. Mm. And so, and there's the three fans in the pub that you get to know. (laughs) They're representative of everyone. (laughs) And um, it's so funny because Ted gets called wanker. Yes. And... (laughs) And finally, when finally things are going their way and they start winning some and everything, people then still call him wanker, but affectionately. (laughs) Good job, wanker. Uh, Thank you.
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, for sure, for sure.
1: Well, and at the end, you're right because he's still doing his. Well, it doesn't matter if we win or lose. And finally, Coach Beard goes. It does win.
0: Yeah, it does. You know it matters. It matters matters to them. It matters to
1: us. It matters. What sports is about winning and losing. Otherwise, there's not a point. And that's when Ted goes. Right, I've gone too far the other direction. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Let's get and busy. That's, the, that's a really great lesson. Yeah. 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 And the 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 leagues over there, the soccer leagues over there are super interesting and it would be really interesting if they did this over here. But the the last so there's twenty teams in the Premier League and the ones that come in last, the three teams that come in last don't even get to be in the league next year. So talk about it the being relegated, they're relegated that's relegation. to then okay. it's like it's four leagues deep. You can imagine, you know, four leagues of 20 teams each or so. Um, but the next one down is called the Championship League.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> we thought that was funny. We're like that yeah. should be the top one. That's right. <laughs> the champions. So you have yeah. the
0: Premier League, yeah, and then the Champions League's or the Championship League. And then um, the next whoever came in the top three in that one well it's actually the top two move up to the premier league and then whoever's three and four have to play one game to decide which one goes on talk about brutal yeah but at the end of the season because they don't have a playoff it makes it really interesting on the last day of the season you're as interested as who's going to be relegated as who's gonna win mm-hmm. you know so um but can you imagine like the dallas cowboys if they if they came in last they would oh. be in another league next year
1: <laughs> they'd have been in the championship league for to a long fight
0: time to get back in yeah right so you can imagine well, how much money that difference that is and how different it is for the um i read a book one time called i think it was called up pompey p-o-m-p-e-y and it was hmm. about uh, a team that stayed up they had a difficult I mean, so to have like somebody like Richmond come in and they're playing like Liverpool, Manchester United, you know, and all these other mm-hmm. leagues and to stay in that league for one year mm-hmm. um and actually stay <laughs> is a huge achievement for some of these little tiny clubs, you know. Yeah. Um well huge morale us, thing for everybody involved. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, because it, what it made us think of was we're just like, you know, <laughs> it comes up at the end of the season. We're just like, what a crazy thing! And of course, they're explaining it because they have to explain it because it's an American show. But uh, like when they go, well, "What do they do in America?" And Ted's like, "Well, you know, the ones who aren't very good just play other ones who aren't very good <laughs> most of
2: the time. <laughs> you just but
1: they're all in the same league." Yeah. And uh, Rose was saying, "Oh, isn't that so funny?" Mm. Because it's so British. It's so American. We're like, yeah. oh, no, everybody has an equal chance. You're all in the same league in
2: mm-hmm. the NFL.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the British are like, oh, no, 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 you're second class now. <laughs> you're third class now. So very you true. You maybe work your way up, but you have to earn it. And it made me actually think, um, although this is different, of high school football is like that. Although mm-hmm. that's based on the size of the schools, I think, instead yeah, of anything yeah. else. Because they just, small schools don't have the pool to um, get the players from, but uh, it was just a funny concept. Mm. Just you yeah. know to understand relegation.
0: Yeah, it would be really cool to have that, like in college football, because college football is really oh kind of a mess. Gosh,
1: it's a huge mess. Yeah. I don't understand why the journalists get to pick. <laughs>
0: <Who> <laughs> right? Are they? Yeah, who made them king? Do it. <laughs> do Come it with on. records. Yeah, but Not if they could figure that out somehow. The problem yeah. is, you know, in American football, we can't play. I mean, they play 38 games. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then when they when they say the Champions League, that's mm-hmm. actually a different thing. You have the championship oh. thing, but the Champions League, the, just, it'll just take a minute, but the Champions League, you take <laughs> oh, the, the top teams like in the Premier League
1: mm-hmm. and the top
0: teams in the, all the European leagues, and mm-hmm. they all play a tournament together during the season. Um, the next season. So if you're in the top four in the premier league, you get to play in the champions league and then you would play what, teams like Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever. Is
1: that what gets you into the world cup?
0: No, The world cup is actually not these teams.
1: <laughs> That's so these teams. Why so, would that even be the same? So
0: in, <laughs> in, in here in season one, you have, um, oh, what's, what's the player's name? Sam. Sam, and mm-hmm. I can't remember his last name. But he wants to play for right. the Nigerian team. The right. Nigerian national team. That is a team that could go to the World Cup. But okay. Richmond wouldn't go to the World Cup because those are country teams. But the players okay. on Richmond could make oh. their own country's teams.
1: So you have the national team right. and then the local team. Exactly. I mean, you know, the right. like the state teams yes. kind of thing.
0: So in the World Cup, England would play in the World Cup. And England would be like an all-star team from all the teams right you know right, gotcha yeah exactly
1: kind of like pulling for the olympics except they're all the time
0: exactly right
1: well that's yeah crazy isn't it crazy but anyway and
0: they play yeah. that during the season so it's like liverpool will play in the premier league on saturday and then on wednesday they'll play a champions league game and then on the next sunday they'll play a premier league game and these these guys are running like a marathon every time they play a game right it's crazy right yeah
1: it matters if you're getting old and slow right your experience doesn't isn't enough to count
0: exactly yeah as
1: roy finds out
0: right yeah and so roy can't you know um yeah he's been around a long time and he's just you know at the end and so that's an interesting character arc too because he's he's been the best player on every team he's ever been on. And now he's hit the time in his life where he's not anymore.
1: Well, and that was kind of an interesting dynamic when you brought up Sam. So Sam's from Nigeria. You've got one of the best characters ever, Danny Rojas. Football mm. all his life. <laughs> um, he's just so wonderful. Yeah. And he's what you need that just woohoo. And I can do it every time. And, um, but not because it makes him better. He's as good as Jamie Tart in that way. Mm-hmm. He can hit his goals, but he does it because he loves it. Yeah. Football is life.
0: Just loves it. Yeah. He
1: doesn't have an axe to grind like Jamie does about me, 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 me. I'm the most important. And so um you've got that dynamic. You have Roy Kent in there in the mix. You have Sam, who is young and inexperienced, but looks like he could be very good. So these are the I think these are the only four players that you're really seeing much of. But it's interesting now that you've talked about all this, how representative they've made it mm-hmm. for anybody who does know soccer. But at the same time, they're giving us the life uh, times of these different people and how they're dealing with it. Because one of my favorite scenes was during that charity event when, um, I can't remember that episode was, uh, oh gosh, episode four. I have to say, a lot of these things would happen I'd go, wow, I thought that was season two. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about only briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, benefit charity where Roy again is taking um, Ted's advice, when Ted, you know, Ted despises Jamie. Jamie is young and shallow and thinks everybody old is stupid and he's all that counts. And Ted just at one point says, What were you like when you were 20? He's like, Oh, hmm young and shallow. And I thought I, you know, and the old guys were stupid. And he goes, yeah, it's be kind of, you know, did what happened? How how did you get out of that? And mm-hmm. he just lets it drop. And then later, you see Roy seeking out Jamie, who, you know, think doesn't want to talk to him. But they just sit there and have a quiet conversation where he says, you know, there was a guy like me. And he sat mm-hmm. me down and I hate we hated each other. But we sat down and we told each other what it was that we hated about each other. And then we were able to go on.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, so they do that, really. And that's mm-hmm. when it comes out. He goes, Jamie says, when I was a kid, I had your posters on the wall. You were amazing. Because, <laughs> but you're not that anymore. Yeah. You know. And yeah. so, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And at the end, he goes, "Did so what about you and the guy? Did you become friends? He goes, oh, no, I hate him. I hope he's dead. And Jamie's like, okay. <laughs> Like clink bottles there. <laughs> I still hate you.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. And I love um, you know. So Jamie Tart. Um, so he's a star player. He's probably the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. And he is completely arrogant and me 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 like we said. Um, but the way Ted Lasso dealt with him was really interesting. And and I've had you know those experiences where you've got somebody that you're um, you know, managing on a team or at work or something like that, where it's just very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really admired, you know, Ted Lasso was like, well, let me figure him out. Let me try to yeah. understand who he is. Let me try to figure out, you know, why he's like he is. Mm-hmm. And, um, now here's a blurry line between season one and season two, but the, um, you know, the the relationship that he's got with his father was something that Ted came to understand. And um, it helped him, uh, I guess, the keys to how to uh, help Jamie Tart was, right. you know, through this understanding, through trying to learn about who he really is and why he's feeling the way he's feeling. And um, I just thought that those scenes were interesting where he was trying to get Jamie to do, you know, he, he said something like, you know, if you become we instead of I, you know, the sky's the limit for you, man. You're going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like, you think maybe that sank in, but it didn't really, you know, until much right. later, you know, at at the time it didn't. Um, Yeah. Well,
1: you see it start to happen because that uh, episode six, two aces, where they're breaking the curse on the training yes. room. Yes. Mm, that um, was a great episode. Jamie, too. yeah. Jamie, mm-hmm. everybody is having to give up something that they really, really care about and explain why and, and sacrifice it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting concept in itself. There, You know, this is funny, this breaking this curse idea, but the whole thing of um, it's also a supreme team building moment, even though that's it came up accidentally. And, um, Jamie actually participates late and reluctantly, but he talks about how hard his father was on him and is still. And we see a little example of that later. Mm -hmm. And then he talks about his mother. It says, I I never wonder anymore if I'm making my mother proud. Yes. And so it starts to bring back the balance. And so it's funny because, um, You don't need much more than that. And then when he's getting yelled at after the championship game. Mm.
2: Wow. uh, After winning the championship game. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) right.
1: But what it does is it opens up the door again for us to see that Ted is not kidding when he says he cares about the people. He somehow is able to separate this person's acting like this and it's killing me as a, a coach, you know, to what is it about this person that I can't connect with? Right, And, um, see season one, I think was perfect. It didn't give us too much of that. It gave us a little,
2: mm-hmm. we yeah. didn't
1: need everything. I didn't need the deep story. I didn't need mm. so much back history. Um, and, and I'll just say my problem with season two, except for a couple of episodes, which were genius, the Christmas one and Rom <laughs> communism, which was one of the best ever. Mm. Um, They decided to take a turn into what's a very modern way to tell the story and dive deep into everybody's dysfunction. And, you know, and I was like, by the time season two got two thirds of the way done, all of us were kind of dragging ourselves to watch the episodes. Hmm. We barely were able to finish. All three of us wound up admitting to each other, oh, yeah, I guess we have to watch Ted Lasso now. (laughs) And, um,
0: and I had a similar feeling the first time I went through it, mm-hmm. yeah. The second time I went through it, I was really into it. I'm, I'm not sure what the difference was.
1: Well, you um, knew the trajectory, so you weren't experiencing yeah. it maybe and dreading it first. Maybe or, so, yeah. But it was interesting watching the first season. You could see them drop it, planting little seeds mm. of what was going to happen the next time. Right. And um, I was like, you know, and I'm okay with those little seeds because that was fine. Um but I didn't care about that drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first season, I think, was perfect, and it and it did it in the same way that I think really effective comedies. I didn't. I don't know about Friends. I never watched it, uh, but I did watch The Office mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, I didn't know what made Michael Scott the way he was, and I really didn't care. <laughs> um, or Dwight. You know. Okay. Who cares? They are how they are. And we see them going forward. We can see them have their moments of victory or whatever. Uh, parks and Recreation, same way. Hmm. And Leslie Nope is basically Ted Lasso. Um, She's not coming at it from the same angle.
0: <clears throat> sure. Because yeah.
1: she's just, her goal is the Parks and Recreation of the town she loves so much. And she just brings out the best in everybody by never quitting. <laughs> And seeing that best in them and knowing who they are. And you get further development of the characters and you may get hints about their back history. She does not get along with her mother, but I don't have to know why or what happened.
2: Mm.
1: We see it. And so I think Ted Lasso for us, I know it was hugely popular in the second season, but it just drug it down to where it was super depressing. Mm. I didn't need that. I didn't find, you know, Kaylee and Rebecca's friendship, which is another thing we haven't really talked about. That was a beautiful thing to see two very different people who both needed desperately a female friend to give them a fresh perspective. Rebecca needed to know somebody thought she was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Because she'd wound up cutting herself off from her old friends and stuff because of her husband, who was the worst. (laughs) And she was measuring herself by him. And when Kaylee comes along and goes, oh, my gosh, your body is amazing. Did you have work done? She goes, no, that's just my mom's whatever, you know. (laughs) She's like, oh, who wouldn't want to look like you and be you and all this stuff? Well, later on, that's, you know, when she's admitting to Kaylee or Kaylee finds out that she was sabotaging Ted and the team. And Kaylee's like, well, are you going to make it right? Are you going to tell Ted and apologize? And she goes, well, does it matter now? She goes, it would change how I feel about you.
2: Hmm. Yep, that was well, a nice now there's moment. Somebody that she mm-hmm. cares
1: about, right.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Kaylee's likewise, is stuck in this rut of being immature and needing, uh, knowing she needs to mature and move on because she's in her 30s. But she's still dating people like Jamie and letting them run all over her because they won't take responsibility. And she won't make them be accountable for their behavior to her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Rebecca has been through this. I mean, she's just been through it. And she can give the perspective And Kaylee gets it. She accepts it from her, from well-meant and loving advice. From somebody who doesn't want anything from her. (laughs) But to be a friend.
0: That's a great point, yeah. Yeah, Rebecca definitely doesn't want anything from her. Um,
1: And how often mm -hmm. do we need friends who um, will tell us the truth sometimes in a way that's just well-meant advice? Mm -hmm. And we need to hear it? Yeah. Or or tell us something good about ourselves that we haven't recognized.
0: Very true. Very true.
1: And yep. I think that's a problem these days haven't I, I mean I I feel like I've read about it, but you mm-hmm. know, how do we cultivate a few good friends and hang on to them?
2: Mm,
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've read about that too, especially with men. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've read it specifically about men, you know, middle-aged men. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um having cut themselves off from other male friends, you know, and uh, how difficult that is.
1: Right. It used you know. to be that, you know, you'd have a life outside of the office. Mm-hmm. You belong to the Elks Club or, <laughs> or, or your church activities or whatever it is that you do that is, uh, it broadens your experience. It's, it's something that you already want to do. Mm-hmm. But it gives you friends and friends that come from unlikely sources. I mean, I have um, several different friends who I met through like church ministry groups that I was working with, like that marriage retreat and stuff. And they would kind of pursue me for, let's have lunch, let's have coffee. And I'd be going, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't really know you. You know, and if you don't mm-hmm. click with somebody right off, you're like, I'm busy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But luckily for me, these people were persistent. And now I'm good friends with them.
0: That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But how often do people make the effort? And I think when I realized that, and it may have been from a previous conversation we had or something I read or whatever, I started going, who's around me that I'd like to be friends with?
2: Hmm.
1: And I wound up pursuing a couple of people who I'm now good Mm. friends with, who I wouldn't have been friends with otherwise. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like Kaylee and Rebecca. How do you mm-hmm. how do you get thrown together? You know. Yeah, how
0: do you get thrown together? And and they do give each other quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, yeah, this mutually beneficial thing. And and it is different for Kaylee because you're like you said. You know, people just want stuff from her, whether it be sex or. Um, pictures or you know whatever you know she's
1: semi-famous
0: yeah she's
1: i'm famous for almost being famous
0: right (laughs) but
1: now rebecca is saying i need someone to help market the team yeah and get the guys out there and help make them and the team some more money through merchandising and stuff Mm -hmm. you know that world yeah you know you're a you're a face in that world and you've been doing it for trying to do it for jamie do it Mm -hmm. for the team yeah and so it's beneficial on a lot of levels um well, one thing I did want to say, though, is moments when I think you see turnarounds. And and so, this is that um, whole idea of becoming vulnerable is risky. And we've talked about this before. This is that Brene Brown thing that I bring yeah, up a lot. Sure. Because it's so hard to do, but the people who do it get the rewards. So, both Keely and Rebecca wind up doing that with each other. Hmm. And um, the other thing is, though... Is when you see somebody who takes a chance for you, and you didn't ask for it, but you desperately need it, right? They've got your back. And so, this is the dark game.
2: Mm.
0: Isn't oh, that, that was a great beautiful. moment? Beautiful, yeah. So good. Yep. Oh, I love that moment.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. Rupert, the husband, the horrible husband, has begun. Yes. <laughs> coming closer. It's funny thing about him and Rebecca. They cannot let each other alone. Rebecca is justly wounded, although she, mm-hmm. as Higgins says, you won't take away your pain by constantly trying to hurt Rupert and therefore hurting everything else, the team, the people she's come to know and everything. So she's got a decision point to make then. And mm-hmm. I love Higgins. We don't see him much, but he's got a normal family and everything, and he's more balanced, yes. but, um, <laughs> although still being quite goofy because yes. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, But she really starts to realize – What matters during that dark game because Rupert? I don't know why Rupert can't let her go, he's the one bringing the young wife,
0: either, right?
1: Yeah, marrying the young wife and rubbing her in Rebecca's face all the time. Mm. Um, gonna buy he has the wife by part share in the sports team, so Rupert's gonna be around all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) the dark game is what Ted challenges Rupert to in order. That if Rupert loses, he will not come to any of the games.
0: Yeah, because he he tells he, Rupert tells his ex wife, "I'm going to be there every day, and I'm going to answer a reporters' questions, and it is mm-hmm. going to be vicious," you know. And uh, then Ted steps up and challenges <laughs> him to this game of darts. And if if Lasso wins, then he doesn't get to go to any of the games. Um. And good. while
1: he's been working him up to the challenge, it was just so masterfully done. And this is when you see Ted is not a Yahoo. Yeah. He knows exactly what's going on. He's just a friendly, nice guy who doesn't mind being a little silly. Mm-hmm. And because he is throwing the dart and doing pretty well and everything and challenging him to the game. And he's like, Well, what you don't know, says Rupert, is he accepts the challenge. I have my own darts. <laughs> and Ted goes, Oh, gosh. Or I, I guess what I forgot to tell you is I'm left-handed so <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd been doing it with his right hand
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, yeah.
1: super good at darts, and what that does is bring up a a key moment that um i've i think I hope a lot of people have remembered I've kind of remembered because hmm. you know it's a very easy thing to look at somebody, see a few things, think you know them, and judge them and put them in their little box and move on yeah. And um, Ted says, you know, he was always picked on, all this stuff. And then one day he saw a quote from uh, Walt Whitman painted on a wall, which turns out it's misattributed. No one knows where it comes from, really. But it says, be curious, not judgmental. Hmm. And he says, and I really liked that. Hmm. Yeah. And I thought the people who are judgmental, and now he's delivering his judgment on uh, Rupert, is, you know, I know guys like you. Mm -hmm. You think you know everything and you think you know everything about everybody and you think, you know, you can judge them all. But you should have been curious, like about how did I learn darts? By playing every Mm -hmm. Saturday with my father at a sports bar.
0: Yeah. And that's a way, that's like a mantra that Ted Lasso uses throughout the whole, I mean, he doesn't say it throughout the whole thing, but that's like his whole, it's his apparent philosophy Uh, For how to coach a team and everything, you know, is be curious, not judgmental. It's like, why is this person not performing? Not This person's not performing, therefore we need to throw him over the side. His his instinct is, why? Be curious. Mm -hmm. Figure out what we can do to fix this situation. Um, What's going on with the person? Um, And
1: he's not just curious about the people he's got to work with or that are in the office or whatever, we see him doing it on the street. Mm-hmm. So he's he sees the young girl who's uh, playing soccer with her friends and strikes up a friendship with her just through little comments or, you know, now I'm going to kick the ball. And by the end, it hasn't profited him anything, but they have that enjoyment hmm. of knowing each other. And that is what allows him to save Rebecca's charity by bringing in the street musician. Yeah. Who he keeps money to every day and has noticed and knows that he's good at music. Mm-hmm. He's nobody, but he makes the party into something great. Yeah. And Nate, of course. Mm-hmm. Right, Nate. The, the kit boy, the kit guy, or the <laughs> yeah, whatever, and kit and man. And that's whatever an interesting
0: thing from the class standpoint, too. Um, you said that Rose said about class, because Nate is not even used to anybody asking who he is. Nor.
1: Or his name. or yeah, yeah. Not
0: remembering his name or anything. He's. Yeah. He's like, he's invisible and he's used to being invisible. And, uh, uh, yeah. Ted Lasso, what's your name? And he's like, no one's ever asked me that before. And then silence. Okay. Anytime you're ready, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> give me your name, you <laughs> know, and it, right.
1: <laughs> oh, you really want to know it. Okay. Uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's fascinating. And then, um how shocked Trent Krim was that uh, an idea that worked during a game was from Nate or was going to be used in a game at that point uh, was from Nate, the kit man. Um, you know, and Ted's like, you know, yeah, we take ideas from anywhere they come, you know, <clears throat> and then later on they,
1: uh, and gives credit promote him credit
0: for it. Yeah. It gives him total yeah. credit for it. And oh, then sorry. later Go on ahead. he promotes him. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, uh, Nate just can't believe it. He's like, you hired a new kit, man. How can this even be? You know, I'm the, I'm the kit man. How can this person be here? And they, they surprise him and say, well, you know, here's your contract. So um, super cool stuff. So th- th- it you just, that doesn't happen, you know, and it wouldn't have happened without Ted Lasso. Um, mm-hmm. But there he is, you know, the former kit man is now on the sideline as an assistant coach.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because he's got good ideas. His ideas were good.
1: Yeah, he's been watching soccer his whole life, and he's yeah. smart. He's been thinking about it. He's mm-hmm. been seeing the team dynamic and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking. You know, I'm and talking. I think
0: on Nate's part too. Uh, just one more point. No, I think go ahead. on Nate's no, no. part too, he was open to Ted Lasso in a way that the rest of the team wasn't at the very beginning, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because he treated him. Oh, you're the manager, so you you're the man I'm serving you. Right. It was like, it wasn't like, Oh, I hate you. You know, the moment that you walked in, like the rest of the team was like, Oh, this is a circus. Like I said, it's just, this is not going to go well at all. But Nate was like, you know, Hey, this is my new boss. You know, I'm, I'm in and I'm all in, you know? So he was treating him well from the beginning as well. Um, so it kind of went both ways there.
1: Yeah. Exactly, so Nate had been...
0: Yeah, I think that's why Nate got to offer ideas and everything like that. You know, if he had been negative, it wouldn't have gone that way.
1: Well, yeah, because he wouldn't have ever even kind of, he would start to say something and then he'd stop.
0: Yeah, right. He was go, not no, used to, to being all allowed that. to do that. <laughs>
1: Well, sure. yeah, and he even gets to be one of the diamond dogs. Yes, which is their little kind of male <laughs> advice group.
0: That's right. I
2: love and that. It's that Ted, was Ted, Coach
1: Beard, Higgins, and Nate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so here's Nate. These are three powerful people, mm-hmm. and he's his views are accepted equally. Yeah. With them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And. um, He even comments right in the middle of a conversation. He has to stop and say, you know, this is really wonderful. (laughs) While somebody is like revealing their pain. He's like, this is really wonderful to be part of this. (laughs) Thank you guys very much.
1: And they stop and look at him like, I was in the middle of something
0: here. Oh, too good. Yeah. But I think that that's not abnormal in the united states anyway i mean that's like the american dream isn't it it's like someone Mm -hmm. can come from nowhere and and go achieve whatever they want and um i don't know if it's like that in england if that is you know because you're talking about classes you know so you get to go to this school you get to do this you know um that seems it seems like that does exist in the United States, but um oh, yeah. but it's also kind of in, in the structure of England.
1: Yeah, and it's and of course I don't know about England. It's just the way I kind of take away from things like even even the movies that you see from England, um it's interesting there's a movie called Dream the Dream Horse, I think. Hmm. And it, it was a pretty good little movie, and actually what I should do is send you the link to the documentary, <laughs> or the mm. name of the documentary, and we should put the name in the show notes, because the documentary was excellent, and the movie was, was good. I showed it at some of the movie groups I do. But one of the things that I realized watching it was these people, they're Welsh, they're still battling class.
2: Hmm, wow.
1: Mm. And this is a modern time experience. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? In America, we have movies about racism. In England, they have movies about class. Mm. And they still will involve the rich and the poor. I mean, both will involve the same sorts of people. The, you know, the uneducated, the more educated, the all the things. Mm-hmm. But we're emphasizing different things because these are what we're looking at as problems in our society. Yeah. And so I look at mm. this with Ted Lasso, and you still see it. You know, um, the soccer team is probably the place that helps equalize a lot of that. Just like for a lot of things in America, sports does that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can come from nowhere, but can you play football well? good baseball player yeah sports
0: is kind of the equalizer isn't it
1: right it's about um, ability
0: yeah because you know you don't have to be a rich person to to be picked up by a team Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's like it's like a class buster maybe
1: (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. but you have to be able to see what is your skill and we saw this in moneyball too where uh the older guy on the team gets told yeah you were a star you're not here now because you were a star. We're here for whatever we can suck out of you that's still left. <laughs> right. Also, mm. you need to be a team leader and use your experience to teach these younger guys. That's what I want you to do.
0: Right. Yep.
1: Do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's kind of Roy Kent's role. Yeah. But he doesn't know it. He has to be shown it. And so there's a lot to be said also for being part of a team that's got to perform something is how do you fit into the team? hmm and so, of course, that shows you all kinds of things, which Ted Las- Lasso is showing us.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah. So instead of a class type of thing, you know, once you, once the players get in, it's a hundred percent meritocracy, where you know, yeah. if you perform, you get to play. If you don't, you can't. You know, and the pressure on the coaches to, to make that happen is immense.
1: <laughs> well, and where are you willing to, to humble yourself yeah. and pass the ball to someone when you could be the star and do it? Maybe it would be better this way. Where are you going to um, step back and serve? Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm thinking we haven't really talked much about Catholic stuff. Mm. And Of course, we don't have to every time. <laughs> but, of course, now I'm thinking about faith. Mm. We None of us can help all the way. We can do our little bit. Jesus asks us, here you are. I need you to do this. Scott, I need you to teach our CIA where you are. Hmm. Julie, I need you here doing this thing. Mm -hmm. Completely different. Oh, look, you guys can do a podcast together. That'll be super fun, too. Mm -hmm. All those things will go towards a common goal. But we're (laughs) never going to be a bishop baron. Right, We're never yeah. going to be the missionary who's in Africa or India or any of these places where, or, you know, gosh, the poor communities in our country or the rich communities in our country where they need to hear an evangelist speak. You know, there's so many places that need that. But how do you do it? We're all evangelizing using the gifts we've been given. I'm not a missionary. Hmm. And all of us are part, you know, you hate to say it's that big team, but it's God going if you will live to your full potential.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Trust me. The body of Christ, right?
1: Right. Do Mm -hmm. what I, yeah, thank you. I knew there was a term (laughs) for that. But do what I ask of you. Mm -hmm. I know you don't trust me. I know it seems stupid. I know you don't want to see this truth about yourself. You're selfish, you need to share. You're old, you need to step down some. Mm-hmm. You need to you see this injustice, you step forward and solve it. All these things were being shown in this show, the reason they touch people and the human spirit, and the reason somebody in one of Tom's uh little icebreaker things that they do on the computer for his global company that he belongs to, which was who do you know that you would who do you see on TV that you would like to be and someone was like Ted Lasso. <laughs> mhm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like because he also has flaws, which um that was the thing I was gonna say later. I was like, Mm. "Eh, I don't like what they did there. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's that aspirational thing of can we be more like that? Can we be curious and not judgmental? Can we understand that winning still counts? You still have to reach a goal. Everybody needs to do to achieve something and not just be the best them they can be without doing something with it for others for god right you know it's not that we just sit and navel gaze and go wow i feel so self actualized
0: <laughs> yeah right yeah this is good stuff it's having me um uh, thinking deeply over here um oh you know this is uh, the no <laughs> but it, it's really making me think but this curious not judgmental is something that um i'm definitely going to take away um, because that is a terrific thing. Um, you know, some of Ted Lasso's flaws, like you said, I do think that that was not a fun place to go, um, later on. Um, well, but Ted Lasso himself, I mean, his, his attitude toward life and, uh, you know, another interesting aspect of this is the divorce that he's going through. Um, that's is, the
1: thing I was saying I don't like.
0: Yeah, because it was like almost as a, a result of how he was, it was like he said one time, she finds me too optimistic or something like that. She can't handle her his optimism. Um, she just fell out of love with him and she finds him, um, I don't know about difficult to be around, but um, not someone she loves anymore. And um, that's rough, you know. Um, well, but the very those very things are what is making him succeed as a coach.
1: And so, my problem with that was I feel like they just felt like he couldn't be that nice a guy without having problems.
2: Mm.
1: He could still have problems. Coach yeah. Beard had to correct him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He didn't see stuff all the time. <clears throat> he yeah. didn't have to have something that big. And so he takes the job in London to give his wife space. Because he doesn't want to go to the couples therapy and all this kind of thing, he just briefly alludes to that. Um, I didn't like the couples, and so I was like, "Oh, that's a good joke, but you know you're deflecting, yeah, yeah, but um, but the thing is is they did that so that he could do things like have a panic attack mm. and and be depressed and I, and I was like, see, these are some of the problems that I had with season two. He didn't need to do any of those things to be a human being, yeah. I mean he already doesn't like tea so he's got a huge flaw there. So, but uh, <laughs> but they also wouldn't let anybody be the bad guy. The reasons his wife gave him for not being in love with him anymore. Well, you know what? Everybody has changes of mood. Yeah. You cannot be madly in love with somebody the way you were when you first met them as you approach a more mature relationship. Things change. And for her to blame him, even though she's standing there crying, going, I'll fall back in love with you. I know I will. So, that's just making him guilty. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could feel the way I used to. Well, no one feels the way they used to. And I questioned her marriage counselor in this case. <laughs> so, they wouldn't let her be the bad guy. She's trying hard. He's not really the bad guy. He's giving her space. He finally just winds up saying, I just want you to be happy. So the right thing to do is get this divorce, which he keeps getting shoved to sign like she's going to run away with somebody the second he signs the papers. There's no reason for that urgency. Hmm. They just, this was an ill-conceived subplot, I think, Hmm. with no grounding logic like the whole rest of the thing has. And the one, there's two things he did wrong. One, from a Catholic point of view, marriage I don't remember hearing be happy in the vows. Hmm. You want to be happy, but it's, you know, for better or worse, richer or poorer, um, in good health and in, in sickness or whatever it is, you know. It's all these things. You stick with them. And when you get through that to the other side, and I am speaking of somebody, as somebody who's been married 38 years, mm-hmm. you get through to the other side. Things are different, but they're usually good.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And, and of course I'm not talking about an abusive relationship. Let's just talk about, you know, regular. Mm -hmm. So um, the other thing is, so first of all, him to just say, I just want you to be happy and giving her the divorce. He ran away. She's adamant. It has to end. They're both wrong on that point, but there's no good reason for it. And because other than feelings, also he's being a bad father. His poor little boy, he's abandoning him, essentially, by running away. He couldn't find a job somewhere else that would do the same thing. I mean, I get it. That's the whole premise of the show. Yeah, yeah. But I'm faulting the mm. screenwriters on this whole thing. Sure. So, this is my problem. Mm-hmm. I realize I'm being super Catholic about the whole thing. <laughs> but well,
0: yeah, um, but it does show um, our society's view of marriage. As kind of a Very temporary contract, you know,
1: and we should be happy all the time.
0: Yeah, as a temporary contract, and yeah, it is all about us and our happiness and and that.
1: That's a really good point, Scott. Mm-hmm. And I hated it. So <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> right, and it's not a good thing. It's it's caused our society on
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know innumerable trouble. Um, well, so it, yeah,
1: and it made me think of there's something that's demonstrated really, really well by all these writers who understand this other stuff better, and all the things we've talked about, that comes from the Catechism, 2339, if anybody wants to look it up, it says, either man governs his passions and finds peace, or he lets himself be dominated by them and becomes unhappy. Hmm. And that makes it sound as if what we want is a bunch of Mr. Spocks walking around, and that's <laughs> not the case. Uh, later on, and I should have written the whole thing down, but later on it goes on to say, otherwise, you're whisked here and there by your passions, and you never know where to settle. And it made me think of Dante, that first circle with the lovers all whirled around, mm. the faithless people in love by the wind, yeah. the whirlwind, Um and I should remember their names. They're two of the most famous lovers in literary history. But, you know, they come down and tell their story, and they're whisked away by their passions, and they don't try to talk themselves out of it. They don't remove themselves from dangerous uh, occasions of sin. They just kind of let it all happen, and then it's the fault of our passions. Yeah. And on this show, what you're seeing is all these people who are trying to get their lives in order, even down to Jamie Tartt, who... Ted is letting know, I still value you as a person, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that you played against our team and beat us. Mm -hmm. They're having to learn to think past the immediate passion. And that's something our culture dearly needs to learn. Yeah, And I think part of my problem with season two Mm -hmm. is all it did was show all those passions out there Mm. all the time. Everybody being miserable and everything else, and too little of the redemption, the um, compassion, true compassion, Mm. like sometimes the hard truths. Right. Um, I don't know. Well, I
0: hope that comes in season three. I could be wrong. (laughs) No, it's not that you're wrong. (laughs) But yeah, it's, you know, hopefully that comes next. Um, Mm -hmm. I did read a thing, you know, while I was poking around, seeing what I could find about this show. Um, Jason Sudeikis, who plays uh, Ted Lasso, said that it was conceived as a three-season thing, so mm-hmm. the next season should be the last one. Um, hopefully, hopefully it don't seen go that. past what they had uh, they had uh, planned, but hopefully this uh, season three will bring us what we want um, as, with these characters. So we'll see.
1: You can tell me how it is. I will.
0: You're not going to watch if season they, three. If they-
1: when I say that the last third of the season, mm. we dragged ourselves to the TV, I was not kidding.
0: Okay. <laughs> we didn't
1: admit it to each other until yeah. we were at the next to the last episode and somebody went, oh, thank goodness, we're almost done. <laughs> and the other people went, oh, you feel that way too? Wow,
0: yeah.
1: We were just kind of watching it for the other people. That's how much we hated it. hmm Except for the two episodes, the Christmas one and the rom-communism.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, that's we... Hated it. Gotcha. And Rose was looking around because she said, you know, it was critically acclaimed. And I talked to a young man at a funeral, as it turns out, for a long time where he was like, I love season two. It made it so real. It was like The Empire Strikes Back where it got dark, <laughs> but it moved you on. I said, but it wasn't good like The Empire Strikes Back. It was blah all over the place. And he stopped and he went, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> And so everybody's so,
0: riding from season one still.
1: Yeah, and a yep. bigger group of people was kind of listening. And I said, well, so how did everybody else feel? And everybody was kind of like, oh, I liked this bit. But yeah, overall, it was so depressing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, see, it wasn't supposed to be depressing. It's a comedy. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff people loved about season one. And so Rose was looking around and she said what she found was from average people, they did not like season two. And it could be that like you and me – the first time through, you're just like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And then you, the second time, were able to kind of appreciate it in more depth. Yeah. Um, but how many people like me are never going to watch season two again and maybe not season three? I mean, mm-hmm. i if you told me season three was like season one, then I would watch it. Okay. But I don't think they can go back. I don't think they know how to.
2: Yeah,
0: we'll see.
1: <laughs> they got, yeah, they just got mm-hmm. in deep and kept going.
0: Yeah. That's right. Yep. It did end up in a dark place, that's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, I will say this. Um, mm-hmm. I assume people have also seen season two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If not, quit listening. <laughs> I loved what they did with Nate. Yeah. Nate was the person who, because of other things going on, could not, I don't want to say fall for Ted's optimism or whatever, but he rejected it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes people are just—they're going to reject what they see as good on every level. So, think of Lucifer.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: was the highest of the angels. He knew God intimately. How could you say no?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But he did. Yeah. And there's Nate, who's like, <laughs> "I'll show them." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that this happens, and so I did kind of actually like, although I, the whole time it was happening, I hated it. But I liked where they wound up because I was like, "You, there are people like that. Everybody can't be on yeah. the TED team.
0: Agreed. Yeah. So. For sure. All right. Well, a terrific show. Season one, definitely recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. And um, you might love
1: season two. Yeah. So, you, you could. Know. Yep.
0: Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, so cool. But I will watch season three because I have to.
1: you're a completist is that it well
0: i got it yeah on this i am i'm not a completist all the time (laughs) okay all right but on this one i'm I'm interested in that for sure okay for sure you bet
1: well you can you can tell me how it is i will
0: i'll let you know and
1: remember three very severely criticizing people will be (laughs) listening to you so you better be sure what you're telling us that's right very (laughs) good
0: Uh, all right well cool oh my goodness Okay, well, what's next up for us is The Prestige by Christopher Priest. Yes, it was a movie, but Mm -hmm. I think the book is better. Um, So,
1: yeah, check it out. Fingers (laughs) crossed. I'm one of the five people who didn't like the movie, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Understood.
0: That was Christopher Nolan, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, I thought it was. And
1: people, and Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman, I loved loved the people and everything, but. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, Cool. Yep, I liked but. the book better. So I hope you like it.
1: <laughs> well, I've started the book. it's got a good start. I'm good. I'm optimistic.
0: Very good. Very good. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and I should mention the audiobook for that, if you're an Audible subscriber, is free and read by Simon Vance.
1: Right. So. That program where you can just listen through their app free. That's yeah. great you Yeah. Bet.
0: Good stuff. So okay. Well, all right. all right. Well, thanks for watching this season and uh
1: (laughs) i loved it we all loved it again it was so wonderful that's
0: so great that's so great good deal yeah all right well catch you later everybody
1: okay talk to you soon
0: okay bye-bye
1: bye